hello hello uh, welcome to the no opinion podcast uh, coming from coming live coming from <laughs> dundee design festival well it's not live um it's, it's live it's live for us <laughs> yeah yeah live in the sense that we're not in the in the basement of the studio we're actually in in the thick of it in the festival yeah in the make bank yep um and, and it's the last day it's the tuesday 28th of may so we're we're kind of slightly sad and finishing up and also looking forward to getting back to what we normally do <laughs> um yeah we thought it might be just a good idea to kind of while it's all fresh in our heads sort of chat about the festival and what's worked and what maybe what maybe hasn't worked and and um, how people have reacted to it and yeah get that all down and edit it up and make an episode out of it mm-hmm. so where do we start uh well we could start in january <laughs> well it started even further back than that did it not well yeah it, it was um we've done a, a small episode on, on another podcast about this but it's um yeah, we started this in sort of maybe November 2018, um, mm-hmm. when we knew we were going to be doing this, but we weren't really starting work on it until the January of, of, of this year. So we, we did a, a survey that went out to um, people in the UNESCO Creative Cities Network, and it was and, and around Dundee, obviously, uh, asking what uh, made a livable and a, a livable city for them, and getting the responses back, and then going through them. And see what what people thought, and uh, yeah, it was kind of the starting point of how how we start to form up what the festival was going to be. This is way before we have a venue or way before we have anything in place. It's really just research, and there were definite common themes and commonalities between what what people submitted and what they were looking for out of the city. I mean, one of them was um, the use, of, well, the, the the lack of use of certain spaces within city centres, in particular retail space. And there was people talking about um, transportation and green space, um, and really small sort of maybe like service-based details from a city point of view. Um, and then there was a whole load of other things thrown in and mixed into that as well. So. I think we we kind of, I mean, the initial view, the initial vision of this festival in my head at that time was was one sort of based around a lot of these kind of services and and how cities function in that sort of sense. But I think as we sort of dug into things a lot, uh, we realised you know that that a lot of that was already underway and a lot of that stuff is happening at the city level and, and there's people really passionately pursuing things like that and actually we, it's like what what makes a what makes a livable and a livable city in the most kind of deepest sense you know we can't we can't change sort of infrastructural stuff with a festival but what we can change is uh, an attitude uh, uh, to design and how people think about their city through design and that's kind of what we start steering ourselves towards, I think, through the... Through the yeah, thing. I mean, like any other city, Dundee has big social issues that affect everyone. And an eight-day festival is not going to solve those problems. Um, and I think we came to that realisation quite quickly. But we were looking at how do we actually empower people to create change um, and create that momentum themselves and give them the tools, the systems, the that spark of inspiration, that that motivation to go and, and do that and make that change. And it's and it's one of identity as well. And I think that's really important. I think having a city that you can uh, feel a bit of pride in and feel like it's part of you and you can be part of it is really important to to how you um, take part in it as a citizen. I think that's that's something we looked at quite a lot as well. Um, so that kind of led us to the to, to finding a space, I guess, for the festival. Well, I think before that, I just want to mention. I think we've banged on about it a lot, but um, a big influence on us was was the trip to Helsinki, which we've obviously done, but several podcast episodes on it and talked about it quite a lot. But I think one of the big things that came out of that was that the the trust that the city has built with its citizens in terms of the identity that they've created, the rebrand of the city, and then also in the, the processes that they go through and the way that they co-design with, with citizens and get them involved in those processes. And that, again, along with the, the answers to the questions, um, was a sort of key influence on how we shaped the festival. Yeah, um, and, and it's it was really eye-opening, I think, to go over there. And I think, yeah, we, we have a couple of episodes about that um, that you can listen back to. And yeah, it, it's also we have to be aware that we don't just bring in, you know, somebody else's solutions from another city in another place because that doesn't really help anybody, and that's not really what design's about, you know. So, so, it, but it's it's seeing. I think you can go there and see this sort of underlying uh, belief in in the people of your of your city, or or even just the 
the not wanting to have everybody come to visit your city, not just being desperately trying to promote yourself to anybody that you can get hold of that will come and spend their money, um, but actually trying to be a bit more considered about it and a bit more, you know, I guess, you know, designed um, and, and thinking, what do we need from this? What what do we want from it? Um, and how do we get the best results? Um, and that's that was something I took away from that quite quite a lot. Mm. Yeah, and then I think after the initial conversations and, and yeah, the, the the big thing was finding that space that that would work for the festival and that we felt was was right and that fitted well within the livable lovable theme um and then i suppose it, it kind of um i suppose we should maybe explain the relationship and the structure of the team at that point yeah um so we were as an agency of none uh, were brought in as the producers of the festival by uh, the unesco city of design team which is uh, led by annie annie mars um and um, supported by uh, Poppy and Kirsten, um, and they, um, as as UNESCO, um, were there to support and develop the theme and the and our vision, I suppose, of what we wanted the festival to become. Um, and at that point, when we were talking about the space, it just so happened that we both seemed to land on the the same idea. Well, well, I I, I kind of just thinking maybe we should should be revealed what we were thinking of space up to the point that we went for the Keeler Centre mm-hmm. um, because you know we were we were trying to find a I think the idea originally was we needed a good sort of city centre location that we could kind of work with and, and a festival's not a small thing so it's like how do we get a big space and I think one of the original thoughts was to kind of use City Key and, and go around that area and, and do it down there um, but uh, we, we, we kind of did initial recce of the whole space down there and actually it wasn't it wasn't as suitable, I think, a space that we, as we maybe had, had thought it might be, and uh, also it's slightly outside of the city centre, and it's, it's kind of a harder space to, to use, and maybe there's more businesses down there and things, uh, and that's maybe not what we were trying to trying to do with this. It was more about how do we bring design to people, um, just uh, in in the city centre. And city centres are these sort of hubs, these sort of places that bring together all aspects of a city. You know, and Dundee is a is a city of many. Uh, different um, uh, sides, um, you know. And it's like, how do we, you know, how do we put the festival somewhere where we can kind of be in the middle of all of that? Um, so yeah, that, that that kind of ruled out that quite quickly. And um, yeah, we all kind of uh, we all kind of went back scratching our heads about what we could do. And I think yeah, you're right. We all also I think uh, so the way I seem to remember it was me and you had a chat, decided that the Keeler Centre would be a really good place to do it. Phoned Annie up and she said, I just had this thought. You know, I think the Kilo Centre would be a really good place to do it, and so it was kind of, you know, we all kind of came to that conclusion at the same time, and I think that from that point onwards, it was a, it was a bit of a no-brainer, um, and it was just kind of down to having discussions and figuring out how we could do this, and that was that was the start of that. Yeah, and it was, I think, what's been key throughout the whole project was building that relationship with Angus, the centre manager, with. Um, the landlord um, at the Keeler Centre with all the existing retailers because um, we in no way did we want to come to the centre and take it over and ignore or alienate anyone who is in here already and had existing successful businesses um, and I think it's something that we've, we've tried really hard to, to achieve and I hope that we have that, that any retailer or shop or space that, that existed within the Keeler Centre was as important, if not more important, than anything we were doing within it, and that we we took a considered approach. We took a, an approach where we spoke to people, we engaged them, um, and brought them on board with with the project. Yeah, and I think um, you know we went around each of the units. Well, we we had a meeting first of all with the centre manager to see if this was going to happen, and it actually took a lot longer than I ever thought it would to kind of get to the point where we could go in and speak to people, because we we didn't want to start those conversations if it if it didn't happen um so it was only once we knew that the center were, were were committed to it the owners of the center were committed to it as well that we started to have that conversation we went in and and uh, said right we will do this here if you want but we're kind of you know this is this is how it's going to this is what we're going to be proposing and uh, everybody i think uh, everyone that we went and spoke to was was absolutely delighted that somebody was coming in to do something in the center um I don't think we got past the fact that there was going to be a cafe uh, for for most people before they said, "Yeah, it's fine." Um, so yeah, it, it's it's that sort of bringing back a bit of life into the centre. And you know, we have to be aware that we're we're we are we are only here for eight days, and we we leave again, and um, we have to make sure that we leave it in a, a sort of better position than it was when we we came in. It's got a bit more 
uh, attention to it, recognition to it. Um, hopefully, people will move into some of the empty spaces that we've 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 used, and because we've put a lot of time into a lot of the spaces to get them up to a certain standard for the festival, and they're in a good way now for a lot of people to kind of come in and use them as, as a bit of a blank canvas to what they want to put their business in. Um, so hopefully that will happen, and there's a lot of people who've come through the spaces that did not know the Kilo Centre even existed before. So that's yeah, I mean there, there's I think having. After we announced the venue and started those conversations, there was um, like a few really interesting different perspectives. Um, so there was people who didn't know what the Kilo Centre was that were maybe newer to the city, um, potentially from the student community. There's people who maybe hadn't been here for, for 10, 15, 20 years. Um, and they had these these nostalgic memories of, oh, my gran used to take me for an ice cream when I was young, or I used to go and get video games there, or um, all those little like snippets of, of the past, and that they hadn't really had that the reason to go back to the Keeler Centre for anything, or hadn't really realised that like what it looked like anymore, or um, yeah, hadn't really interacted with that space or been through it at all in the last like in a, in a long time, I suppose. So I mean. Looking at how we then kind of worked with that space and and turned it into this festival, it was um, it was quite a, a, a quite a daunting challenge, I think, wasn't it? I mean, you know, I, I kind of remember have, coming in here and walking through it when it was early days and you know, doing little bits of photo shoots for for press or things like that, and coming away and going back to the studio and thinking, oh, what the fuck are we doing? You know, because it's kind of like it's it's. It's such a big space and so many empty units and I mean I can tell you that now I probably didn't tell you that at the time <laughs> probably, probably thought yeah it's gonna be fine um but it's it, it's like and there was so much like it, it it's I think when you do design or when you work in a creative thing you tend to have a good visual of where something's going to end up and um that kind of drives you towards that end goal and I think when we were sitting in the studio and um, working on this thinking about things I had that kind of visual and that idea of how it was all going to look and then every time we kind of came into the centre and looked at it and looked at more of the problems and more of the things we needed to look at it panicked me about whether we could actually achieve what that visual was that we had for it and how, how that how that was going to match the thought in our head um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah that was a big worry <laughs> yeah I think I had similar uh, sometimes you would go in and have meetings look around spaces and go yep great that's all achievable and you come out excited and really up for it and, and and or other times you would come in and go actually there's just the sheer volume of things that we need to address or just like the unknowns of what lies behind certain walls or bits of things that we've got to take down or build or um rework or remodel and, and then you're just like the, the the sheer volume of walls to paint and floors to clean and paint within um the install time which was literally three weeks i think we got access from the 29th of um april and then the festival opened on 21st of may which was quite a worry as well because that doesn't seem like a long time is it and then no. the center as well is, is, a, is a working shopping center which is a very different sort of location to say westward works which is where the design festival had been previously where you can literally move in close the doors and get on with it um, and you can stay there till midnight if you need to to get things done or however long it takes but in a shopping center um, this is somebody else's building and uh, they, they shut at five o'clock um, and uh, they don't open on a Sunday and uh, yeah you've got you know suddenly three weeks suddenly seems like a not very long period of time to set everything up and get it all up to, to, to spec. And the, and the norm for these sort of things is that you you cloud up the windows you you close it off you you wait for this big reveal at the end to get everyone excited about but in actual fact for us we, we just couldn't do that it just wasn't wasn't feasible it wasn't possible in a, in a functional sort of publicly used space so therefore um it actually led to more interaction and conversations before the festival with the um existing residents with the existing customers of the center um and i think it, it started to get people interested and excited about what was going to happen and we couldn't hide what was happening when we started making it happen and i think that's that's also been interesting we just embraced that and then we just sort of went well this is what it's like. If you go to a museum or other gallery or something, they will shut down the doors of the gallery and it will all be transformed and then it will open up again on the opening night of the exhibition or show and you will not see the process of what goes into making that happen. So doing this in a, in a shopping centre, we like we could not hide that. With the shutters down sometimes because we you know we couldn't let people walk into spaces that were dangerous, so we had to kind of keep keep that down. But windows and things, people could see in and see what was, what was happening and 
that that in itself was interesting and particularly when we're doing all the outside of the building as well because that had to happen fairly early on because we needed to work on all the interior spaces and get them ready so the signage started going up quite early and I remember being incredibly nervous about that and thinking well what happens if um, we put all the stuff because I, I was aware that they I've not really talked a little bit about the color palettes and things like that but we you know they were quite striking and um, it's something that uh, I was kind of worried about being quite different to what has been there before and it was intentionally different it was intentionally taking it the opposite direction to every, the way that it had been um, uh, done previously um, and I can remember walking down past the Overgate shopping centre just on Nethergate and looking into the city centre uh, one day when I knew the sign guys had been in really early in the morning doing some work and I could just see this really 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 bright green in the distance and I thought what's that and as I got closer I'm thinking that's our signs <laughs> it's like how are people going to react to that um, you know what's you know what, what am I going to get in there and I'm going to have like everybody go in this is as hideous what have you done you've turned you know and and I got in there and was yeah um, I, lots of people were wandering around the lanes and stuff and, and everyone was saying how much of an improvement it was and how, how it was nice to see the place looking a bit brighter and that made me feel slightly relieved that this was going to go okay um, but I think that's the thing you've got to you've got to bring people along on the journey and with your vision um, and I think Annie's talked about it um, a few times and, and said that there was a point at which in the process where we we, we gained the trust of um, the centre manager and I think the, the retailers that were in here already and that um, Angus the centre manager said um, yeah you, you don't really need to ask me every time you want to like paint a wall or, or take some screws out or fix this bit that and the other just just go ahead and do it because I, I, I know what you'll do will be good um, and that was a massive a massive breakthrough um, and a, a massive success in terms of the project because that's all what we've sort of been striving to achieve throughout is to get that to get that buy-in to the vision of what we what we were trying to create but to kind of yeah slightly rewind myself and go to the the point where we were actually thinking about how the um how how the visuals of this kind of came together and we were we'd, we'd started already the process of thinking about um how we communicate how, how, how cities communicate and how brands communicate and how all these you know people can people can actually have a say or have an ability to to use design to communicate with our city and we'd start developing a typeface with with tommy perman uh, who's a designer who works uh, and lives in Bundy, and uh, um, he, um, him and I went to, to, to the, the city archives in Dundee and went through the archive of Keeler Centre stuff to see what was there because we were aware, you know, shopping centre, previously been a factory for Keeler uh, confectionery, uh, James Keeler and son. Um, so we went to get all the stuff and we were looking through sort of old photos of the factory and all the bits and one of the archivists I think said, do you want to see the, 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 the sweet wrappers? And I was like, oh, they've got sweet wrappers from the factory. So they brought them all out. And this massive, well, it, it actually wasn't that big a box. It was a big, you know, it was a big cardboard box, but it had prototypes of, of some of the packaging in it. It had um, it had the uh, archives of, of, of labels and, and other bits that were had been kept. Um, and, you know, lots of really nice patterns, really nice colours, a lot of two-colour prints or one-colour sort of printed wrappers and all the cellophanes and bright colours that they, they did use there. And, you know, a lot of images of the old sweet shop and things like that that had been here on the site and um, I think a lot of people when they think of Keelers and Dundee they do think of the marmalades you know think of jams and stuff like that but uh, the sweets were, were quite quite striking and and also they had a, at the bottom of the box they had a Toblerone uh, uh, wrapper which was kind of a bit baffling at the time it was like well, I don't understand why that's there and then um, on the packaging it actually says on it London and Dundee so they um, bit of digging in there and they had a lot of Tobler company uh, wrappers uh, and packaging and boxes and you know it turns out that James Keelan had had the license for, for Toblerone and, uh, and it was something I thought I knew Dundee quite well and a lot of things and I didn't know that and um, you know I've spoken to people since that said oh yeah of course it did but it's um, it was it was new to me and then I had all these images of the actual Toblerone going round and round on these machines and other things it's just it was kind of fascinating to think about that and how that, that worked um, so yeah th these are kind of you know, this this kind of led us with the typeface a little bit how it was going to look. You know, we looked at sweet wrappers and the typefaces that were on there, and we looked at um, the patterns that they used on them, and then thought about very much how you can kind of bring that kind of aesthetic back to the back to the centre a little bit, to kind of give it that, that that reverse of what the aesthetic is generally at the moment, which was kind of blue and orange and a bit bit more you know 1990s sort of 
what you would think of as a, a shopping centre sign or something. So yeah, and they also deliberately dropped out the word shopping from from Keeler Centre in the in the thing. Keeler Centre is what it was previously known as. Then it had been the Forum Centre, and then it had been the Keeler Shopping Centre. And we were kind of saying, well, are these spaces more? Are these spaces about shopping generally, or are they, are they about community and bringing people together? So let's let's drop that word out. So that was kind of the thinking at that time. And I think also the the actual the the architecture and the layout of the centre itself is. It's quite unusual. It's got some amazing features to it. The original sort of the, the vaulted sort of arch ceilings um, and some of the entrances and exits, and the fact that, that there are four entrances and exits. Um, it, I mean, it also leads itself to be like a sort of thoroughfare, hmm. um, and I think re reimagining those the, the spaces within it so that it would capture people people for for longer, um, and so that they could come and use and enjoy the spaces within the centre um, instead of just come in and, and using a shop and then going away again and um, it's starting to look at how you create create those spaces where people can linger and people can spend time and I think I mean it, it's obviously a key consideration when you're creating a festival you want that, that time for people to come and enjoy it and to spend an hour or maybe more um, within those spaces so I think that was always key within, within the development of, of the content So maybe we should actually talk a little bit about the content that we then start to create for the festival because mm -hmm. I'm aware that uh, we could probably make a very long episode here of just us talking about the, the, the lead up to all of this yeah. um, and I think um, you know we, we, we kind of really wanted to kind of create a, a festival that was fun and generated a lot of things um, and, and show design to to people in a way it wasn't just talking to designers you know we weren't doing a festival that's for designers and I think a lot of festivals out there do that do do that um, and I don't think, you know, I think partly Dundee can't really maybe do that as much. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have the same, it's a small city, it doesn't have the same sort of, you know, critical mass of, of design studios in that base here that would, would sustain a festival like that. But also, I mean, and this is something we've been looking at with this podcast in general, is, you know, what actually is design, you know, and, and how do, we, and the part of that is how do we communicate that, what we know back to people and how do they we help educate people as to what design is. So having a festival where we were, we were really focusing the content on on um, making people realize how how much fun they can have with design how much how much it can be used to, to do things but they can actually get hands-on with it and we can create all the sort of systems and and bits that people can then use and we don't we can kind of remove all the technical aspect of, of design that we have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis and then just let people kind of work with the results of our work and then create their own work so um, that was a kind of fun approach to, to how we did it but I, I remember one of the the first things that we kind of started to look at was we always we'd always had this idea of kind of visualizing the future um in some form something that you know was was a bit imaginative and you know people could kind of come in and uh, and, and it might make them think about how, how things are going to go down the line and maybe what they're going to use and do in the festival might lead into in the future and how that might be and for that we kind of i think quite early on we put together a small sort of focus group as it were sort of steering group of people that we thought might be interesting that could help us figure out what that might be and we, we had um, we had people like Mike Daly who's a, a video game uh, developer worked on Lemmings and other things there we had people from NCR we had um, um, a comic writer uh, Valerie Mullen um, we, we had Sci uh, science fiction writer science fiction sorry 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 Valerie um, and um, Rebecca Foy Rebecca who is um, uh, architecture student in our final year, and we also had uh, Gordon um, Gordon Reed from Reed. the planning department at the city council. Yep, um, so kind of a, quite a mixed group, and us um, sitting there just discussing what things might be and how things might go in the future, and it was really interesting, and it, um, it, it made us think about a lot of things. But also, kind of, we kind of realised that you know, Valerie being there was a really interesting, like as a writer, she was a really interesting person to kind of uh, take a lot of what we were discussing there and and turn it into something so so we we kind of we kind of commissioned her ahead of doing open calls to other for other designers uh, to to work on a sort of written piece that would then in some way be part of the festival it might you know and, and it was kind of a it was very much a collaboration it was like let's 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 get this started and see where it's going to go and see where we can we can use this within what we're doing because it felt important and it felt it also felt fun and it felt interesting her style of writing was really interesting so um, we kind of got that all underway quite early on and that, that, that's kind of what's formed the backbone of the uh, We Live in the Future piece which was installed and that, that turned into through the open calls and through a few other collaborations into quite a quite a, quite a, 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 a sort of 
sizably sizably contributed is that is that even a is that even a, a term it seems it seems okay in my head <laughs> there was a lot of people that became involved in the project <laughs> yeah so you know we we brought in um, we had we had a, we we had an artist and sam consalvas and a product designer and julie coming um kind of coming through with a project that they wanted to do that kind of fitted into this as well and they were very uh, gracious and kind of letting us slightly corrupt their ideas and make them and sort of bring them into to to uh, uh, valerie's one that we'd already started and then that kind of those conversations kind of led to saying, well, you know, if we're going to do this, we should probably get an audio uh, track to that as well, and um, that brought in um, uh, uh, Andy, um, say Kinbury, but uh, Andy Truscott. Uh, he's one half of Kinbury, and uh, he he created this sort of really interesting um, sound narrative, uh, sound effects, sort of narrative ambient art, uh, effects uh, to complement the the story that was then recorded by various different actors and uh, yeah. To, to create this uh, this really rich um, version of the future, and so we had all that, and uh, we had these illustrators working on illustrations that you can look through these little peepholes, which was Sam and Julie's idea of how you how you bring in a bit of uh, Brazilian culture and how people would look at photos. Yeah, so it led us to this really dark room with with uh, where people could see it, these illustrations and images when they wanted to by looking through the eyepieces, but ultimately they could just absorb this sort of story and this 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 sort of in, uh, uh, vision of the future and it, it, it was written in a very it, you know there's a lot of poignant bits in it and there's also some some real humor that came through it as well and it kind of it, it kind of for me it kind of sums up the tone of the festival it was like you know we have these really important bits sort of masked with sort of you know lighter lighter hearted bits and, and more entertaining aspects um so yeah that was done really early on and then and then we kind of had the open well we were it, while that was all developing we were running the open calls and, and that's what led to some of those collaborations and the open calls kind of brought in um some really interesting ideas that we hadn't considered as well you know like things that fitted really well into the into the theme particularly the the approaching air piece which was uh, a new sort of collaboration between clara Wheeland and um pete thomas um i'll, I'll let you talk about that because <laughs> i've just i've just gone t- rambled for ages yeah, I mean, it, it's been one of the, the things that has got people really excited at the festival. It's been completely rammed the entire time, um, and t- um, to the point of rushing uh, Pete and Clara off their feet to, to try and deal with the, the sheer volume of people. Um, but it was all about, again, it was it was very much future-focused, and it was looking at um, what the future of Dundee, um, what the scent of the future of Dundee would be like. Um, by capturing people's thoughts and ideas of what they would want a future city, their future city, and the future of Dundee to be like. Um, so there was uh, worksheets and work cards, and they captured all these these stories and narratives and thoughts of people who were passing through, and then allowed them to combine different scents of what they enjoyed and liked and wanted to, to smell and, and see in the future. And then that was they went through a process of sort of distillation of all that and refinement. Um, in order to create the, the the future scent of Dundee, which was then put into a hundred vials and released at uh, four o'clock on the Friday of the festival, um, which is amazing. It's exciting, and then the, the the scent was released into the room so everyone could smell it. And then you can still wander down the corridor today, and, and halfway down the corridor, it hits you in the face. This this amazing um, scent. I remember the day they released it, and it was um, I, I was cycling that day back and forward from from here to to where I live, and. Um, it uh, it was kind of lingering around me because we'd spraying it around and it's like it just it just made for this quite interesting sort of um, cycle journey home with this aroma of of, of, of uh, flowers and meadows and sea stuff mixing with the real flowers meadows and sea air and it was an outside uh, kind of yeah it was a nice little experience and I think I mean scent is something that I've never I mean I've never really experienced a design project around it and I don't think don't know many people have and i think that was what was so exciting about the project it brought that whole other element of sense mm. into into the aspect of design because it's something that i'd never really considered it's also a really hard one to capture you know so we we've got loads of photographs of the festival and loads of you know front photographer here and Catherine rattray doing a lot of uh, images and running around running a, a photoshop out of the center and um you can't capture that you know and, and there's like a hundred of these little jars of the stuff which will will uh, um be somewhere around the city and possibly the world now <laughs> and uh you know where um you know that, that's the only memory we'll have of it you know if somebody still keeps one in a few years time it still smells the same way that's the only way we have that recorded so mm. that's kind of interesting um so it's like um temporariness to it um so yeah 
Yeah. And I think there, there's also been a few um, other parts of the festival that have developed from the identity that we created with, with Tommy Perman. Um, in particular, the, the poster playground. Um, so there's been three three key elements to that, I would say, and um, three ways in which you can create a poster. And the idea is that you you create a poster, you then either submit it or, fo- or photograph it, um, and then we we'll, we take that every night, and all the content that's created is then pasted up out on the hoardings at, at Slicer Gardens. Um, so it allows people to to come and express an idea or a thought or a feeling, um, design something, and see that work go out into the world. Um, and be part of the city and I think that that full sort of end-to-end design process was really important for us to allow people to to experience as part of the festival and it has been like you come around the corner and you just see the space and it's just like filled with activity and life and work all over the walls drying and people block printing from three-year-olds to 70-year-olds to yeah it's just amazing to see everyone getting hands-on and involved with it it's created a lot a lot of content there there's been there's been you know, a good few thousand posters now produced through the two different methods that we have there uh, one of them is ink and one of them is with acrylics um they've been photographed and documented and they've been put out into the wild so it's 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 going to be interesting after the festival's over when they actually probably sit down properly and look through some of that content and see what was created because at the moment i kind of the way i'm seeing a lot of it's through social media you know people posting their own things and being proud of what they've made and you're like, you know, some really interesting uses of, of the, the kit of parts that we've kind of made for everybody. Um, Things we would never, I'd never have imagined people would do with it. And that's the thing, if you give them a tool um, and freedom to explore that and be creative, then they will come up with things that you will never imagine. Yeah, and I think that's the exciting part of doing stuff like this. It's like, it's it's not being too, I think as designers, you can often be too precious over what you do. You know, you create a logo or a bit of design work and you create a guide to go with it. And it's like, you must stick to this because this is what I envisaged and this is what I'm being paid for. Um, and actually, sometimes if you're just a little bit flexible, a little bit loose around those those, those edges with things and let people have a bit of fun, you can see things you would never have thought about before. Um, there's obviously reasons to control things so that they don't get messed with. But in this case, in a festival, that'd be stupid, I think. <laughs> So yeah, it, it's it's been really yeah, it's been really eye opening. I think my favourite use of the the, the actual full, uh, the actual um, uh, poster playground space was when the cafe bar across the road that we set up, which was run by the Batch and Dundee, um, who do some very nice coffee. Um, <laughs> there's um, it's like a plug, um, but it's true. Uh, <laughs> they 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 made all their cards for their cakes and their treats and things that they had on the counter. They went over there and they they later blocked them all with the the typeface of the festival, and it took me it took me a wee bit to realise that I thought oh they're really nice I've got these really nice cards are all sort of nice monochromatic uh, typography things and then I realised what they'd done is they'd, you know, they'd gone and used their space to make them so that was good um, that's great kept kept everything on brand <laughs> yeah and I think that you mentioned this sort of the, the flexibility of of or the inflexibility of traditional logo type and things mm. like that um, and that. Um, definitely feeds into the, the the city brand simulator, which is this sort of digital version with a, a physical console that allows you to manipulate um, all the letters and forms of of the word Dundee um, and create your hypothetical um, brand of Dundee of the future, um, and then save that into the archive, which will then probably have thousands again of uh, iterations of this a potential future brand for the city. I think that's one of the it's one of the bits I'm quite excited about beyond the festival because it's something that you know I've been thinking about for a long time the sort of identity and how identity works and their visits to Helsinki and these are things where we, we kind of explored that um, it's also one of the ones that probably was the most tricky to kind of get together and yeah. get working um, just getting the right people to build it or work with and um, that was quite hard and when it comes to collaborations you know we, we had people we thought would be good and then didn't have the time and you know people might be tied up with other projects or you know particularly in May universities marketing things like that take a lot of time so finding the right people and who had the right availability was hard work and to say that this technology is, is pretty new mm-hmm. um, although variable fonts have been around for a long time well for, for several years now and um, the actual support for them across um, different technologies is actually quite restrictive um, and the, actually then combining that with a physical console was, was really challenging and we were sort of pushing the bounds of, of what was possible and what had ever been done before um, and it was down to the, the skills of Rick Curran um, who's a phenomenal developer that worked with us across 
um, lots of different aspects of, of the, the digital build of the, of the festival and also Fifex um, who came in um, and, and basically built the, the, the panel for the, the console that allowed people to, to actually manipulate and control the, the typography um, Yeah, I mean it, it was again few different people coming together to make that work and make it work the way that it does and it, it is still very much a prototype and it's it's kind of we're learning bits from it as well to see how it's used and how it works but i kind of have this sort of crazy vision of you know something like that being available to people on a very mainstream way um, and being able to adjust an actual bit of type a bit of something that represents something real um, and not hypothetical yeah and we've talked about how city brands should represent the the, the citizens um, and the citizens should be able to have an influence and an input into that um, and I think it, it's something that would be really great to explore with this prototype going forward um, and that you could have um, someone's version of the, the city brand that exists as people come in on a certain day of the year and then everyone gets a day and they can have their own brand and it's also this idea you could link up to data and things and uh, you know have a, have a sort of a, um, a, a yank or some sort of display on the outside of your city where it's kind of you know getting fed back data to that so that you can just you can tell what the state of the city is based on you know how that's been represented so if it's a particularly busy day in the city then it could be that the logos out really distortedly f- sort of heavy in weight you know it could be it could be really like, oh, it's going to be it's quite a lot happening there must be something going on it must be a design festival in town they should we should go in and see what that's about or you know, um, it's just playing with things like that. I think the future of identities and things generally is more uh, is more loosening up the rules around them and making them, especially for cities, because you know they represent such a wide demographic of people and ideas and thoughts. And it's like you can't really have a very tight and restrictive identity when it has to represent such a vast uh, a selection of ideas and and, and 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 individual identities. You know, yeah, and I think the, the challenge is to get that consistency and. Um it being recognisable, that's the battle. How do you make it representative but also recognisable on a, on a large scale? And I think variable fonts is a, is a really interesting application of that within that sort of brand city brand context and that you can have something that does feel consistent but is able to have infinite different possibilities of, of versions and iterations. I think some of the fun things that we explored while we were doing it that we haven't really seen through to reality in this sense was things like glyphs and stuff like that and how you can you know, play with those to do different things, and I think, you know, there's there's lots of like we've learned a lot about variable fonts. There's lots of ways I'd like to go back and play with them in other projects, you know, mm-hmm. in future and see how, how how that works. You just have to find the right fit for them and uh, yeah. go back. Because the 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 identity um, for the festival as a whole, we we sort of packaged that up into a toolkit, which we then shared with a lot of people that we worked with across the festival, and said, okay, so here are the shapes, the patterns, the colours, the, the the typeface that we've designed for this. Um, we've asked you to deliver this part piece of content therefore use this in any way you like to influence your design work um, which was a really I think people responded to it in a really brilliant way um, from um, Rachel Miller and uh, Studio No Name who did the, the mural and then the, the artwork on the exterior of the building um, to the designers that we had working live at the festival for subject availability who produced um, a range of products over the, the sort of eight day festival which were then made in situ at the festival and then went into the design superstore to be sold um, and I sit here as you wear one of um, Jen Stewart's custom screen printed t-shirts I can see one of Lynn McLaughlin's badges uh, brooches on your, your bag as well so yeah. I think we've been we're probably um, single handedly buying up all the uh, stock um, and you've got, I've got one of Steph's cups on the table <laughs> <laughs> Should have, need to have Kevin's pendant and then we're done but the um, it, it's uh, I think I name checked everybody there uh, the the uh, um, uh, that was that was one of the bits as well. Like, like, I think we thought about that quite early again. Like, how do you, you know, like a lot of design festivals like to put things on pedestals, you know, so they like have products that people have made and it's like on a it's on a plinth somewhere and it's got the name of the person and it's got you know how much it might be or whatever the materials are that they made it from and it's kind of celebrated as this final thing. And it's like how do we kind of create something where, yeah, we have resident designers, but it's not like they're there the whole time and uh, they have to you know spend an entire week there doing stuff. Uh, it's like how do we condense that? And how do we then make variety in there? And the, and the sort of the contents may vary. Sort of tagline that we were kind of using a lot on social media around the time. It's like how do we how do we get that in there and in, 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 in a way that works? And I was worried that you know doing things over two days might be pushing them too far uh, to get things. But I think the people that we ended up with were very well organised and um, 
were able to make those two days really count. You know, um, Steph, for example, had to f uh, fire a lot of her pre-fire a lot of her ceramics because it can't bring a kiln into the space. So she kind of had a lot of that ready, and then she was just sort of doing a lot of the, the final aspects and you know, and then going away and finishing them. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, it was really interesting. And then Jen uh, Stewart with her T-shirts um, was was you know like she. She she made some that didn't work as well, you know. Screen print, they, they didn't the screen printing didn't go a, a, according to plan, um, but they looked great. Um, but they weren't weren't what she was happy with. So she on her second day when she done a whole batch of the first ones, she then used them as experiment experimentations to 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 do a second layer over the top of. And the funny thing was, I would just been into the shop before I came here, and all of those ones are gone. Those those are all sold. You know, the experiments are gone, and the, the ones that she was really happy with are still there's still a few of them left. But people really like that sort of playful sort of um, you know bit, which is maybe not how she saw it coming out, but maybe that time pressure, those two days, created this, and I think it's it's a really interesting uh, way of how that that worked. Yeah, and I think at the, at the end of it, all I was really impressed by how the the range of products that were created were all finished to such a high standard, and that uh, we then put them into the the design superstore, which is uh, curated by Joanne McFadgen of, of T Green Events, and she created curated this amazing range of products from designers all over Scotland in this really colourful and vibrant space that it's I've sucked people in as soon as you come into the centre, and those products sit brilliantly well as part of that whole range um, and yeah it was really exciting to see them come from to just uncover that whole process and I think that was that was one of the things that we felt was key with the festival is sort of to to not hide the process away and make make design accessible at street level because too often we have studios we have um, yeah working spaces that are hidden from from street level hidden from public view and so sticking them in a, in a shopping centre it, it completely changes the dynamic of it this was kind of something that we picked up in Helsinki when we were walking <laughs> around and it is mentioned in the podcast that you could there's a lot of very accessible design studios in the sense of it you could see right into their windows like yeah. really big windows and you could see people working on stuff and you if you were walking past on the street you could just get an understanding of the process of design that was happening behind those doors it wasn't like they were stairs in a building and you know you couldn't see it it was mm -hmm. that, that was i think annie said from her trip to belfast it was a similar thing like they now have a lot of uh, glass frontage in the shops that they use due to the i mean the history of terrorist attacks um and the openness of that now and that has led to design being a lot more accessible in the studios the workshops the um, the working spaces are all um, a lot more at street level and a lot more visible mm. which i think is great because it does uncover that working process um, and it shows it, I suppose it demystifies design and it takes it away from I think very much what you're trying to do is take it away from those shiny objects at the end that become potentially perceived as, as luxury items we want to show design as a much more democratic tool and process that you can use in order to create change yeah sorry I was kind of lost there I was thinking I was looking at the seats and thinking these are really nice I could fancy <laughs> them and then uh, my brain started drifting off into into in different thoughts um it's been a very long week i think i think good. i think my brain's shutting down as we as we sit here yeah i mean we are so i mean one thing to mention is we are sitting in make bank and um, which is the was the launch of the project um so it's it's kirsty thomas and the team at, at tom pigeon who've created this project as um i suppose part of a social a social responsibility um looking at creative poverty and allowing people to donate kits to um under underprivileged children who don't have the basic materials to complete coursework um, or to create portfolios and to, to get into the creative industries and so this the, the whole project is about donating these kits that will be distributed um, I mean initially as, as everything that's donated in, as part of the festival is going to children in Dundee but beyond that it'll be a, a UK wide project um, and you can also buy prints um, and get involved by contributing your story as a, as a creative uh, working in the industry you can then uh, contribute your story and, and that will then help future generations understand the, the different ways and nuances of actually getting into and sustaining a creative career so. they, they've really set up the space quite well in here and it's it's um i don't think you would really expect anything else from no you probably wouldn't you're right um, the team, <laughs> yeah the windows are you know they've been drawing on the windows and sort of white um posca pens i think posca pen, yeah, I yeah. um over the uh, um over the course of the the, the week so they start off with these blank windows and now they've got these really, really interesting illustrated windows. Uh, and it's just a shame that that's that finished after today. I think they're, you know, will be coming off again. Oh, well, maybe, maybe it'll stay around for a bit, who knows. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's definitely, definitely nice. Um, a technique I've not really considered before. Um, don't know why, but I like it. 
Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of some of the the bits that we've we've put in to the festival. Um, some of the some of the uh, other areas with things like living library, which has been a sort of nice little space, especially for us to sort of sit back in the middle of all this and just kind of get on with some bits or social media or chat to people or meet people and not be hidden away. That's been quite nice just to be based in there and and uh, uh, seeing what's going on around it. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we we've also we one of the, one of the more fun things that we put into the festival was the um, the fountain of knowledge, um, or the fountain open brackets of knowledge close brackets. Um, and it was our kind of tongue-in-cheek look at uh, shopping centres and how shopping centres often have a water feature, um, and also the fact that you know we've been, we've been in the Keeler Centre a few times and it is a maze and people are constantly asking us when we were setting up, you know, how do I get to here? How do I do this? What you know? Where's where's this shop? Where's this unit? How do I get out onto the McManus side? So we thought you know an information point in the centre would be quite good, and I think we went through a few iterations of it. I think it. Originally, it was going to be like a chatbot style unit with a hidden actor inside it. Um, I can now say he's an actor because it's kind of all over, and I think most people kind of get get the fact that he's an actor. Not everyone, but most. Not most everybody, people. yeah. But most people think he's a really uh, lazy member of our team um, because he tends to sit there with his feet up on the desk, and that's kind of how we directed him. We wanted him to kind of feel like he 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 knows a lot. He's very friendly, and he'll chat to you and talk to you, but he, he, we wanted him to feel like he didn't want to be there. <laughs> Which is a really, really just pleasing our own slightly fantasyful ideas um, of things with that. But he's he's been great. Um, his name's Chris, um, and he's he's basically added in uh, lots of uh, features as he's developed a week. He's you know he's, he's had to sit there for a very long time for every day um, in a chair. He's uh, I've seen him playing with his Nintendo Switch. <laughs> um, uh, he's 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 um, you know uh, made up facts for people uh, it is a buzzer where you buzzer. press the buzzer you get a free fact yep I've seen him tormented by children um, <laughs> to, 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 the, to the point where he's been trying to hide the buzzer um, which has been great fun uh, and I think I think you know that's a bit of uh, I think maybe most people might not have maybe walked past it and didn't realise how they do uh, how, how to interact with him I think the funniest thing was when he often moved away from his desk um, people would go up and pick up the leaflets so he'd come back and sit and put his feet up again and people would avoid him um, but uh, it's, it's been an interesting sort of fun experiment <laughs> yeah, like a sort of creative concierge yeah so it's um, but it's it's probably like one of the things that hasn't worked out so well with the festival for us um, was meant to be the claw which was next door to that yeah. should, should we talk about we the should, heartache as the claw definitely talk about the I had a bit of a hissy fit the night before the festival was due to open um, after, I mean, we, we purchased this um, grabber claw machine from a reuse it centre in Dundee a few months back um, on a bit of a whim and phoned up Annie and said, um, we might have spent a bit of the budget on a, a giant claw machine. Uh, can you bring a van and pick it up for us? Um, and we then sort of developed a concept around that, looking at um, how you could win nicely designed objects um, from a more traditional arcade machine. Um, and then we developed that, that concept and sort of rebranded the whole machine and refilled it with uh, colourful objects. We spent ages making all those shapes and yeah. the little faces on them and everything. And, uh, and yeah. then I was programming the uh, the pricing into the machine and sorting just all the, the music out on it and the sound effects and stuff. And I just couldn't, I couldn't quite get it to work the way I wanted to and I kept, kept just breaking things. Um, and then eventually the the motor on the claw arm, which was meant to return the claw, uh, broke down and would no longer return the arm um, without a bit of assistance. So it meant that we were going to have to look at a solution to try and get that fixed. Um, and again, we spoke to a few people around that um, who tried a couple of things that just weren't able to get that running. Um, and then within the timescales, we just haven't been able to get the right people with the right bits to come and uh, make that happen. So, I mean, one of the things I hope is that we do get that up and running eventually, and it can can be a bit of a legacy piece that exists somewhere potentially within the Keeler Centre um, as part of Design Festival um, going forward. Yeah, I think it, it would be nice to kind of get it up and going. Um, I was determined it was going to be up and running at some point this 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 week, and even up to last night, I was still convinced we were going to get it fixed and it would be out there today. But uh, you know, we, we are relying on people to to look at it who are very busy with other things so it's just not happened and yeah it's a shame um it's a shame because we, we we had it as a fairly big bit in the middle of the courtyard area there because you know again alongside the fountain of knowledge it's that kind of nod to 
things in, in the shopping centres like you know kids car rides and just general arcade fun um, that we'd remember from our own childhood and thought it'd be quite nice to kind of bring into this so yeah it's a wee bit of a, wee bit of a shame that that didn't, didn't work out but I think I think leading up to this if I'd known that was going to break down I would have probably thought it was a disaster but having kind of now be at the end of the week and see how well everyone else was kind of received and how well the rest of the festival went I, I hope nobody missed it too much um, although it'd be a bit about people looking at the programme and looking at the space and thinking oh, that's a bit of shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean it is a shame but I think it's something that we'll definitely revisit and uh, get out there and some guys at some point in some way we also feel like we've been in indoctrinated into the magic circle because we now have a manual for a claw machine and we kind of now know all the tricks in the trade, um, which we're not going to divulge here. But if you if anyone wants to buy us a drink, I'm sure we could <laughs> we could spill the beans on how to how to cheat, or how how they, how they work. How they work? I would how they say work? I don't yeah. think you can cheat them, no, you can't cheat them. Very much can't cheat them. Um, yeah, and I think so. Um, so sitting here on the last day of the festival and tonight the, the big finale is going to be Pitch Kucha um, at the Caird Hall which will be the biggest in the UK is that right? Biggest Pitch Kucha in the UK? Biggest one in the UK that we know of mm. Yeah, um, but we've had so we've also had the Afterworks programme um, throughout the, the festival um, which has sparked some really interesting discussions, so the, the two discussions that we had at the V&A which are, are both available on the website and the live feed you can watch them back um, a really interesting discussion around the sort of infrastructure of the city um, and how those systems and organisations work together and then a second one on uh, our collective voice and how we um, engage more people within the creative community, how we hear those marginalised voices um, and how we develop together to make sure that we're a much more inclusive um, community. Um, so they're both there and then I think that definitely the, the crown and the jewel in the crown um, was the design game show. Yes, um, it was a lot of fun. It was um, slightly, slightly, um, slightly breaching some trademark uh, game show um, formats, um, but in our own own way. I think uh, yeah, everybody that's kind of um, that came along to that, I think enjoyed that, and it live streamed it as well. I think it's it's had quite a few views now on the on thing. Um, a bit of a sound issue we need to fix but yeah it's 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 uh, uh it was really good i think there's a bit of a call to do another one yeah i'd, I'd love to make it uh and at least do another one um if not to make it a regular thing because yeah. i think there, there's a lot of scope to rework traditional game show formats into to design to again to do something a bit more fun and a bit different that people can get engaged and involved with so yeah watch out for the the design game show come into a pub near you we even had to um, run out and buy props you know uh, that to never make, got used yeah, yeah. Well, yeah to make props and yeah um, yeah the star prize was a caravan so um, yeah it's high stakes I still think the person that won the Apple watch was disappointed with a watch with it around, a, around an apple <laughs> but you know we can you get what you pay for and it was free to get in yeah they didn't pay for anything um, so yeah that was that was some of the, the festival bits that we did uh, I think just I mean just to wrap up I'm mean, now hitting yeah about an hour so mm. um, we should probably talk about I mean it's a question that a lot of people have been asking even before the festival open is what happens next mm. so what happens after the festival what happens in the Keeler Centre what, what are you doing now mm. and, and, and what are we doing <laughs> well I like how you just pushed that straight back <laughs> <at me. laughs> um well, and it, I think we've mentioned this before, but um, it was only ever designed as an eight-day festival. I think that's that's the key thing to say first, is that we need a little bit of headspace and a bit of room to breathe afterwards. I mean, it's been, a, it's been six months of hard work getting it to this point and to, to sort of come up with a solution to the, the future and, and what that looks like straight away, I don't, think, I don't think it's a healthy thing. I think we need that little bit of time just to step away from it. And I think there, there's definitely opportunity, there's definitely appetite to, to maintain a presence in the Keeler Centre and to, to look at it becoming, a, a, in some spaces, becoming like a creative hub or, or opportunities to use it in, in a much more creative way that brings in the creative community to this and a new audience to the centre. Um, but what that looks like, I, I don't know. And I think we have to sit down and in the same way that we produced a solution for the, for the festival, we need to consider and, and go through a design process for what what a future um, space or presence within the Keeler Centre um, would look like or indeed what any of the, the sort of prototypes and, and bits of content that we've created for the festival look like going forward as well because I think um, a lot of the stuff we have created is purely that is our, our prototypes 
and that they are they are starting points for for going forward and and starting new conversations. I think. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, that everything that we've we've done has been a it has been an experiment. <coughs> it has been you know we've not um, we've not spent lots of money bringing flying people in across you know the world to talk at uh, uh, an event or whatever we've, we've which is often the way festivals operate you know um we've, we've used it to kind of create these sort of prototypes a prototype and prototype shopping center and a prototype you know uh, a, a communication method for a city inside that um and and how that space can work and how we can how we can uh, um, and make it work for the people in the future. I mean, it's very much future focused. A lot of what we've done, and, and that's kind of that's what we're moving towards now. Is like how do we take some of those like, learnings from that, and how does that affect the the city, and what do we do, and how do we do it? Um, yeah. but the, the right conversations are starting to happen between. Mm. I mean, the the, the landlord um, from the Kilo Centre came up from London to to have a conversation um, with local councillors, with city development officers. Um, and it's breaking down those barriers and ensuring that those conversations are happening in order for us to reconsider how space is used, especially empty spaces in the city centre, and that um, building new shiny things is not always the answer. Um, we need to consider the, the underused and the underloved spaces and show show that there's real potential in those spaces um, to utilise them in a way that's great for the city, that can really engage people and get them excited about changes they can make happen. And see their city in a new way, in a more interesting way, and also have that affect their own personal identity uh, within that city and how, how they believe, you know, how much confidence they have from, from given from, to them from, from what's happening. And I think that's important. Um, you know, because I guess I, I don't want to, you know, the gentrification angle of things as well can often be sort of brought up when you're thinking about how how you reuse retail and shopping spaces you know you kind of you, you raise the the value and only people that can afford it move in and blah 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 um forces out all the people that that, are, that want to run their their businesses from there that, that that don't fit that sort of model or can't afford that sort of space and that's something we're very keen as well to to not not do and it's like that's why working with people that are in here and working with those spaces that are here and making them feel um valued within that and, 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 and that they've got a home in here for, for as long as they, they can um, but, you know, think and I think um, the, the plan is to create a post-festival publication capturing everything that we've, we've done here and a lot of the amazing content that's been generated mm. um, by everyone who's, vi- who's visited um, so I think in, in, in the, the relative short term that will definitely be an outcome that will definitely be an output of, of everything that we've done um, and then beyond that we just have to to keep continuing having the right conversations and developing our, the the knowledge, the understanding that we've gained from the festival, and see see where that leads. So, with all that and thinking back on the whole thing, would you would you do another festival? Yeah, not next week, but <laughs> I would, yeah, absolutely. I think that overall the the feedback, the the engagement from from everyone who's come has been like phenomenal. I think. Even when you're looking at the, the amount of stories, the amount of photographs we get tagged in every day at the festival has been immense, and I just and my phone battery hardly lasts any time these days. Um, and and that is just because people are, are enjoying it so much, and f- they want to share this. And I think that's 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 what's really made me proud of what we've created is the fact that people have come in and gone. Actually, I need to tell everyone about this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and and it's you know something we we probably didn't make it clear start but we've never really done a festival before <laughs> you know we've had involvements of things and done bits and pieces and uh, you know for other th- you, know, you know within the bigger scale of a festival you know we've done installations of bits of work or design work we've never taken on the actual production of, of a whole festival so this is mm-hmm. a kind of completely new experience for us and completely out of you know out of sync with what we tend to do as a studio you know, we're, we're more client focused working on projects and design work and it's kind of um you know this was something that we thought would be a, a really interesting addition to what we do uh, as a studio a way of giving back and on you know the, a lot of the learnings that we've had with this podcast series that we've been doing kind of bringing them all together and putting them into a physical thing mm-hmm. um so i think I, you know i think it's worked out really well i'm really happy with how we've we've, we've done it um you know it's it's as with any piece of design work I don't think it completely matched up to my vision in the head of how it was going to be. There's lots of little details and bits around the edges that sort of drifted off um, for, for, for one reason or another. And I'd like to revisit or keep it for, for another day. Um, but, you know, nobody knows what those are. And that's, you know, and, and that doesn't, 
that, that means that people just see it for what it is and they, they've enjoyed what they've got. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, 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 the overwhelmingly, the feedback has been positive on everything that we've created. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, from from everything that I've heard, everything that I've spoken to, it's, it, for want of a better word, it's been a success. Yep. A bunch of artists take over a shopping <laughs> centre in Dundee. <laughs> Is that a direct quote, is it? <laughs> That's what the courier said. <laughs> yeah, we didn't do bad for a bunch of artists. Yeah. That's, uh, is that the title of the episode? Yeah, yeah. Uh, can we can we um, strike through the artists? Yeah. yeah. That's the, the, I don't know how that works. But yeah, okay, good. Yeah, that's that. <laughs>